0: Do you have a mental health issue, or is your brain just wired different? Hello, and welcome to Mental Health Insights. My name is Craig Faust. I'm a licensed professional counselor, and I want to unpack a little bit of this question, talk a little bit about neurodiversity and mental health, and I feel like there's a lot of overlap that isn't really being talked about. So let's go ahead and jump in here. think whenever I consider mental health issue or mental illness, what it is is a decreased functioning in our brain, and there's a lot of different reasons that that can happen. Nutritional uh, needs are not being met, uh, sleep deprivation, uh, lack of hydration, not, not you know, there can be a medical issues that are going on, and, and that's a very long list of different things that could happen. Uh, be wrong medically, there can also be different types of thought patterns or habits, uh, cognitive schemas that are creating a very taxing load for our brain. There can be an overactive nervous system. There, there's a lot of different things or over, overactive, you know, threat response, um, different types of trauma. There, there's a lot of different things that can lead to someone experiencing some type of mental illness but I think that it is also just as important to talk about that sometimes a person's brain just operates different than what may be, quote, unquote, uh, the typical brain. And some of the language that has popped up over you know, the past 50 years or so is like neurotypical and neurodiverse. It, in these terms, or neurodivergent, these terms really help give us some type of language around this concept that over time, as more human beings are populating the planet, we are discovering that there is a wide range of neural functioning that exists among humans. And what, you know, this with the introduction to different spectrums and trying to understand how they fit in, it's given us an opportunity as mental health clinicians to tar- start to take a step back and to recognize that some things that we've thought of as mental illnesses are not always necessarily mental illnesses. They are just a different way of thinking, a different way of processing that happens in the brain. And if a person can understand that they have a different way of thinking, a different way of processing, and they can operate knowing that, then they can actually have much healthier functions uh, in general. This is such a huge thing because so often whenever people come to my office, they automatically assume that they have a mental health-related issue, right? They're feeling sad all the time, or or they're not feeling very motivated, or they get quite angry. There's all kinds of different side effects that can happen from having a mental illness, But some of the questions that we have to start asking ourselves is, all right, has it always been this way for me? You know, if I've had trouble with attention, have I always had trouble with attention and and focusing and and being attentive with different things? You know, have I always had issues with my mood and, and regulating? And, you know, have I always had trouble with just remembering certain words or have I always had problems with matching different things or tracking cause and effect, right? There's a lot of different things. We have to consider the longevity in which the issue has been going on. And if it has been going on for the majority or or your entire life, then we have to consider that it is actually more in line with how your brain is actually wired and how it actually functions. And we actually have to learn how to use that functionality to the fullest. And there's a certain amount of acceptance that we want to really move into. I think the biggest example with this is um, ADHD. So often it is looked at as a mental health-related issue or mental health concern, And that kind of makes sense. You know, at the end of the day, if someone's having executive functioning issues, they're having trouble remembering things and they're interpreting things, staying still, uh, all these different types of things that can go along with the different um, types of ADHD. In our current society, it seems like that could be a real issue and a real struggle. And at the same time, if a person is normally able to accept that they have ADHD and that their brain functions differently then they start to become curious about exploring different ways that they can operate with their own brain and what works for them. Instead of just remembering things, do I need to take notes? Do I need to listen to music to help me focus? Right? Do I need to have noise going on in the background? You know, well, finding little tricks to help us actually operate within our capacity is something super important. And really, it's actually something that normally happens in, you know, quote-unquote neurotypical people. You know, like for me personally, I'm a very audio type of person. Some people are very kinesthetic, touch-related. You know, they need to do something, and, and some people are really good at writing and reading and and kind of interpreting information that way. So we have this idea that there's different learning styles, but we don't really consider that those different types of learning styles are actually a pointer towards different ways that, like, not only the brain is processing differently, but a pointer towards the diversity and human development and human intelligence. Because the truth is that most people don't really think the same. And They're never going to fully think the same, which is a beautiful thing. We get to be a tapestry of a human experience instead of just a repetition of the same thing over and over and over again. And I think that so often people are told that they have some type of mental illness, and maybe they do, but we're not encouraged to actually try to operate within the limits that actually make sense. You know, we've talked about before on this podcast where, you know, if you have depression or anxiety, you have to learn to operate where you're at, right? Don't expect yourself to go ahead and run a 5K every day if you're, you know, depressed. You might have to start out with just being able to get up out of bed, move around, walk around the block, right? You might have to slowly work your way up to something like a 5K, right? And, and, That is operating within the capacity that you have. But here's what I encourage you to do today. I'd encourage you to think about your mental health. I'd encourage you to consider what are some mental health-related things that you've been struggling with for perhaps a very long time, maybe even your entire life. And I'd like you to consider if this was just a part of how your brain functioned. Is there something that you would be doing different? Would that mean something different about you? That's probably the biggest one. Would that mean something different without you? I cannot tell you how many clients I've worked with that have ADHD that once they kind of acknowledge or or even are able to accept that they have ADHD and that they can operate within it, there is a certain freedom because so often... Whenever we get told we have a mental health related issue or that we have ADHD or that we have depression or that we have bipolar or whatever it may be, we start to think of ourselves as less than. We start to think less of ourselves. We start to feel like we're not unworthy. We're not lovable. People can't truly care about us. People don't actually want us around. There are so many negative connotations that come along with having some type of mental health related issue that it attacks the very core of who we feel like we are and it gives us reason to have fault with ourselves it is so devastating so if we can recognize that this isn't because I'm less than this isn't because I'm doing anything wrong this is part partly how I'm born how I've learned to operate this is part of my genetic code this is part of my neural development it makes it easier for us to take the guilt, the shame, the you know self-incrimination, the beating up, the you know our self self-criminalization of all the things that we don't do right, and it makes it easier for us to actually pivot towards living in a more fulfilling life, understanding the boundaries that we have. I am definitely somebody myself that would be considered neurotypical, uh, meaning that. I can really focus pretty well. I feel like I have a pretty good impact on my mood. Um, I know these different things that I can do to, to help myself. And at the same time, I'm also someone that has been uh, diagnosed with depression. Uh, I've worked through different types of trauma. And the thing is that what has happened along my journey is that I've learned to accept certain parts about myself. Like I said earlier, I know that I'm more of an audio processor than anything else. I'm also able to kind of notice that for me, if I'm making eye contact with somebody, it helps keep me focused on them. I notice that if I, you know, I get a little bit of anxiety if my phone is not on me. I notice that I really do well with structure, which, by the way, I believe most everybody does. But, you know, I do really well with some type of structure. I do really well with lists and, like, sticking with organizing and scheduling and and different things like that. I do really well with that. Um, I notice that as far as creativity goes, I do much better instead of pen and paper or, you know, paint or any type of, like, physical creativity. I do much better with storytelling, creativity and explanation type things. One of the reasons I do a podcast, I I do really well with audio type of creativity and wordplay. And all these different things I'm telling you about, maybe you get the impression that as I'm talking more, I kind of actually start to lean a little bit further and further and further away from what might be typical with people, which is okay, because the more and more we zoom in on a person, that's actually what should happen. But I think what we've started to do as a society and like part of my own profession as the the mental health profession is that we are so used to diagnosing people, partially because it it helps give us a direction of a treatment plan, but it it looks at everything as a problem rather than this is just how your brain operates. A lot of the people that I work with that are on the autism spectrum, there is a beautiful acceptance in that type of community of this is kind of where I'm at as far as developmentally. So let's just try to do the best that I can and recognize that there are certain parts of who I am that I'm going to have to have some type of accommodations. Or, you know, I might have to ask people, you know, what did you mean whenever you say this? I might have to like let people know that like, hey, I actually am engaged in this conversation, but I know that. You know, maybe it doesn't sound like I am, or it's like, hey, I know I have a flat effect, but that doesn't actually have anything to do with me wanting to hang out with you. I actually do, right? That's just something that, that happens with me. A lot of times people that are on the spectrum are actually really good about pointing out different things that they do or different habits or tics that they may have and helping other people know like, hey, this isn't your fault. This is just where I'm at. And it's a very awesome experience whenever you get to do that because it is a very non-judgmental way of just orienting yourself to, to somebody else. That way a person does not get the opportunity to attribute that however you're behaving or whatever it is that you're doing to them and helping you not to do the same thing to you. Helping you not to interpret every situation or every time things don't go well as being something wrong with you. You know, there are people that like to be around other people. There are people that also don't. There are people that like to read. There are people that like to listen to audiobooks. There are people that, you know, enjoy a good conversation. There are people that would rather not talk to anybody for days. There are people that can't go two days without talking to people. There are people that can go months. There are people that need to talk to their parents every day. There are people that could go a lifetime without talking to their parents. There's a huge spectrum of what it means and what it is to be human. And the more and more that you can have a certain level of acceptance where you are, the actually easier it is for you to identify what are problems, what are issues. Let me give you an example. So and I'll use myself as an example. You know, the, well, actually, you know what, I, I actually won't use myself as an example. i use a, a client as an example that I worked with a long time ago. Whenever, you know, I used to work in substance abuse treatment, and one of the things that would happen often is people would use uh, a drug for their mental health-related issues, or that's what they would say. And then they would usually be pretty surprised whenever they stopped using the substance and the mental health-related uh, issue either either went away or resolved, but that didn't happen all the time. So, like, let's give ADHD a call out here. A lot of the clients that I've worked with in the past, they would smoke weed in order to, you know, they'd smoke marijuana in order to help with their ADHD symptoms to help them actually focus and, you know, engage and actually sometimes be successful in school. This strategy made a lot of sense for them at the time, and it's a good strategy for someone that feels like there's something wrong with their ADHD. While at the same time, whenever they actually had to abstain, then they had to develop other ways of managing their ADHD. They ended up making lists, or they ended up writing things on their hands. They ended up uh, listening to a little bit of music while they were um, listening to instructions or lectures, if they're allowed to. You know, they were able to draw while while they're listening to lecture, while they're doing homework. They were able to set up some type of scheduling or or time time frames or, or different things like that. Or they were just interested in experimenting and trying different things to see how can they actually harness Their ADHD to their benefit, right? Can they sit down and do homework? And instead of doing one thing at a time, let me go ahead and get out these three homework assignments I have, and I'll alternate between all three of them. You know, as my brain is coming up with different things. You know, whenever I get bored with this one, I swap over to this one. When I get done with this one, I swap over to that one. Right? Can I find different things that works within the realms of how my brain actually works and operates the best that it can? Also. Can I test the limit? You know, if someone tells you that you have ADHD, what usually happens is you stop trying as hard to push against the bounds of your ADHD. You just accept that you're going to be somebody that's going to have a hard time focusing. Okay, well, that's all right. But if you know that you have ADHD, sometimes it does provide you the opportunity to push yourself because you know this isn't going away. It's not going to be resolved. You're going to have to live with this. And there are certain times where you have to try to work really hard within the limits that, that you have. People do this all the time with exercise, where it feels like my body cannot push anymore, right? where I cannot pull anymore, where I cannot do any more weight, I cannot do another rep. And they push as hard as they can. It's the same thing for whenever we're operating inside our own mental limits. We can continue to push the boundaries, but we have to first accept the way that our brain thinks. This is the same thing with pessimistic and optimistic people. It is not the same as being able to switch from an optimistic to a pessimistic or a pessimistic to an optimistic person. Or I know a lot of pessimistic people like to say that they're realist. No, whatever. That's not a that's not a hill I'm going to die on. But you being able to be in a place to recognize that like, hey, this is just how my brain's wired. It is wired to notice more of these negative things. And I can push against it, right? But what that means is that if my number one goal in life is to be happier, okay, well, then I have to recognize that I can do that, but I have to do it within these confines that I know that there's a part of me that's going to recognize more things that are not going well. So, all right, if I can accept that that's the case, then how can I operate in a way that I I can accept that I'm pessimistic and I can try to do things that I like. Okay, well, let me make a list of all the things I need to do during the day. And every time that I do something I like, let me do a little check mark or let me cross it off the list. You know, or let's count the times I do something good or let's count the times that I do something bad. Let's experiment a little bit. What is it like whenever I start to track this stuff? How does that actually make me feel? Can I notice some of this good stuff? Is it A challenge with I notice all these bad things, but I don't let the good things affect me because I'm afraid. Right? It allows us to start to pivot more to curiosity, which is what we want to do. If you're a pessimistic person and you think that it's a problem, well, that means that you haven't fully accepted that this is just who you are, and maybe it's not who you are. Maybe there is actually some type of uh, issue that's going on, and maybe only recent times you've become that. Go back to the beginning of the episode. Remember. Keep your eye on the things that have been going on for a very long time or your whole life. These are, the, these are the areas how you know to look at where it may be more of a function of how your brain works. Now our brain does adapt over time, which means that you can start out your life without any type of ADHD and you can develop it later. Um, so, like, there is a certain amount of what we call neuroplasticity. This is the adaptability of our brain to form and, and uh, have new connections. So it's not like what I'm saying is if you develop something maybe a year ago, it doesn't mean anything. Um, it's just easier for people to notice things that have been going on for a long time. But if you're listening to this, I hope there's part of you that resonates with something. that, Like, even if you are suffering from a mental illness... And, like, let's say that you know something's a mental illness, right? You're diagnosed with PTSD. There is true strength in recognizing and accepting that, like, this is the current level of processing that I have. This is the current level of functionality. And that isn't right. There is a mental health-related issue that is reducing the capacity. But this is where I am right now, right? So being able to acknowledge both how the mental health aspect is harming you or it's causing issues, but also recognizing that there is another component there. It allows us to actually differentiate and expound and actually decriminalizes different things, right? If if I have a trauma response and what it does is it makes me quicker to anger, it's really dangerous if I just start thinking of myself as an angry person that nobody's going to get along with. That's really dangerous and it's going to lead to uh, me having some pretty severe mental health-related issues because I'm going to start thinking really bad things about myself. But if I can recognize that, like, hey, I have PTSD and that leads to anger outbursts, this isn't really who I am. This is what happens to me right now, right? But I'm suffering from PTSD and I'm working on trying to change that anger, right? I'm actually in the process of doing that. And, And if that's the case, all right, what does that look like? You know, what is the path that you're taking from here? If we can establish that something is not how you are, right, is not a function of how your brain works, then go back and listen to some of these episodes, right? How can we start to make a plan? How can we start to make some shifts? How can we, like, start to be curious and experiment a little bit? How can we talk to people? How can we share what's going on with us? How can we do these things that we've been talking about for most of this podcast, which is shifting mental health? But we need to be able to distinguish what is actually a mental health related issue and what's not. And being able to sit and ponder and think about it is something that's gonna be really beneficial for you. And that's what this episode's all about is just starting to question. Not of course it's not a question whether mental health exists or not. It does. But questioning whether or not things that have been long-standing going on for you. Is that possibly more just how your brain is functioning? Is that possibility a static feature, meaning like something that is unchanging? Or is it something that is malleable? Is it something that is flexible? Is it something I can push on? There are so many things that we can push on and we can change. There are some things that we can't. You know, I think that the the way this comes up for me usually is like, you know, my level of intelligence, my IQ, generally it's not going to like increase leaps and bounds. And, you know, at this point in my life, it's actually going to go down over time. So the thing is that if we know that, in, you know, our intelligence isn't going to increase, then... How can I operate in a way that I can use my intelligence to the best of my benefit, best of my ability? How can I remember things the best, you know, that I can? How can I focus on things the best that I can? How can I enjoy being around people the best that I can in that state? right, it allows us to be a little bit curious. If I know that I can't change that, then what is it that I can do to operate at the highest or the best level for me? does that make sense? It kind of seems like it, it shifts you into that curious place and where you start to wonder, okay, how can I change how I operate a life or how can I be motivated or inspired to do that? Because now I don't have to resolve uh, the fact that it's hard for me to focus. Now I don't have to resolve the fact that my leg goes crazy every time I'm sitting around somebody or the fact that, you know, it's just hard for me to talk and engage with people. Push on those bounds as much as you want, but also acknowledge and notice things that are static. Acknowledge things that are longstanding. Longstanding things, they could be mental health related, but consider that they may not and just think on it. And if you think on it and you're like, no, I think this is mental health related, trust in your gut, trust in your instinct. All right, take some of the things I've talked about in this episode and set it aside. All right, this is more for people that have thought for a long time that there's something deeply wrong with them. When in all reality, you just may be comparing yourself to someone that's quote-unquote neurotypical, and that may not be right for you. Your brain may have developed differently. Your brain may have different types of skills and different types of capabilities. The amount of clients that I meet with that have different skills and different gifts other than me is truly inspiring. And it's hard because you know I get to see that in my profession, but I know not everybody gets to see and experience that type of thing. Or you can experience that a person with ADHD really is able to be a great storyteller or they're able to um, you know, do a great rendition of a song. Or whenever you see that someone that's on the spectrum, they can do a repetitive task accurately again and again and again and again without getting bored or tired of things that they're doing or you notice that like somebody can just kind of take a look at somebody look at something or maybe even somebody and get a general impression of like their feeling just right away which some people can do most people can do but a really in-depth imprint right how can we recognize and notice that some of the issues that we are facing may not fully be mental health related but may actually be more about who we are as people, how our brain is developed, and how our brain is actually going to be wired to stay. Again, we can have plasticity and things can change. But let's push on the things that can actually change and work on accepting the things that have been static, that have been around for a really long time. That acceptance leads to new possibility, leads to curiosity. So I, I hope that... This episode was helpful and maybe just a different way of thinking about it. Like I said, if if you sit and think about this and it just really sounds wrong for you, that's okay. Throw this out, right? Don't give it another thought. It's okay. Trust your gut. Trust your instincts. There's probably a part of you that's actually wondered before. Uh, some of you that are listening to this, there's probably a part of you that's wondered, like, hey, is like my ADHD just part of who I am? And it definitely could be. And that acceptance is opening the door to all new opportunities for you and recognizing that there are different efforts that I can put in, right, where I don't have to stop being who I am to function in this world. I just have to use who I am to function different. So, again, I I hope this episode was helpful. Of course, if you have any questions or you have any feedback or maybe there's some other topic you want to hear about or maybe you want to hear more of this, uh, please feel free to reach out. Uh, The email is craig, C-R-A-I-G, at lifecarecounselingstl.com. I'd love to hear from you. I appreciate so much that all the people that do reach out to me and, and tell me about the podcast and how it's impacting them, I really do truly appreciate it. And I hope in between now and the next time that I get the opportunity to speak to you, I hope that you do well, know that I do care about you. There are a lot of you that I've never met, I've never spoken to, and I may never. And that's okay, but know that I do think about you. My heart goes out to you whenever I record these podcasts whenever I'm thinking of you. And that is important to me. And you are important to me. I want to be helpful to you. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Thank you for caring enough about yourself to listen to this, to be interested in improving. And until next time, I wish you well. Thank you for listening to our show. This podcast is designed to provide accurate and reliable information. And those that appear on the show are all licensed professionals in the area of mental health counseling. We are in no way rendering legal or medical advice, only information to help serve you better in making decisions in your life. If you need a professional, you should find one. The music you are listening to is called Lobby Time, and that is by Kevin MacLeod, and licensed through Creative Commons.